0: Really excited to be here with everybody today. I hope you're all having a good Monday. This is the Fantasy MLB Today podcast, which is a sports ego's presentation. My name is Joe Orico, and you can find me on Twitter at Joe JoeOrico99. And you can find me here every day, Monday through Friday. We'll be giving you an MLB fantasy show, which will involve recap, player analysis, some DFS stuff, season-long strategies. We're going to try and cover... A little bit of everything in terms of fantasy baseball, mostly concerning head-to-head leagues. But we will touch on different kinds of formats as the year goes on. We have put out a couple of demo shows, but this is our official launch show. And today I'm going to be going over some recently signed players. I'm going to be starting with batters. We'll get to pitchers another day. But we're going to be starting off with position players today. We're going to go over seven or eight players who have signed in the last week or so. And we're going to be looking at the implications these signings have on the fantasy value. So we are going to start off with Trevor Story, who signed with the Red Sox for a six-year deal a couple days ago. I like the move for his value. It's a good move in terms of his run and RBI production. He should be able to increase on what he's done in the last couple years because he hasn't had much help around him. Not not a terrible lineup around him. And he's been batting in a hitter-friendly park, so those players around him haven't been really as great as the numbers might have looked. Not that they looked fantastic, but any player gets a bit of a boost playing at course field. Now he won't have that anymore, but he is gonna be surrounded by a much better lineup with the Red Sox between Bogarts, Devers, Martinez, a slew of talented bats, mostly right-handed bats, but it he'll fit into that probably middle of the order somewhere. Are they they may try and use him in the two slot, but wherever they use him, he should have great run value, and he should have great RBI value. The home runs, whenever someone leaves Colorado, you got to take a look and see if they're going to be able to maintain that where they're going. Trevor's probably going to be able to give you 25, 30 home runs still, which is what we've kind of become accustomed to from him. No reason why that can't continue. It will scare some people away from drafting him, but... I think at the end of the day, he will probably have a similar value to what he's been accustomed to in in recent years. And again, I know it will scare some people leaving Colorado because people think some hitters historically are Todd Heltons, Larry Walkers, uh, Carlos Gonzalez. There's a lot of players that people have associated with Colorado in a negative way that they think they were only good players because they played in Colorado. So it'll be interesting to see what people think of Trevor Story. Playing for the Red Sox. So he's going around pick forty-five, which seems okay. It seems it seems about average. It may be maybe a touch high, but it seems like that's probably where he's gonna fit into your fit into value wise about pick forty-five. It's probably close enough that you could pick him around there and you won't get burned. Now there are a lot of shortstops available in and around that range, a little bit higher up ADP-wise. You have, there's a couple names that I like a little bit more than him, around the 40-ish range. You're Tim Anderson, Xander Bogarts, uh, even Francisco Lindor, a little bit further down. Players that I probably like a little bit more in that similar range. But he is also going to be a second-base shortstop eligible player, which is not rare, but it's good to have, multiple position eligibility especially coming from shortstop which is one of the deepest positions probably the deepest position in the major leagues so him having that second base eligibility going forward will help him out for sure in fitting him into your lineup I think end of day 45 not a bad spot for him not not great but I think if you have him sitting there at 45 and you take him it's not going to be something that really burns you in the end I think he will provide enough value and he will provide probably the same steals that he's we've come accustomed to with Trevor Story around the 20 steal mark and steals have become a lot more scarce over the last few years so for that reason alone he probably justifies the adp but i wouldn't i wouldn't go crazy jumping up the board for him if you get him around that 45 range okay but i wouldn't be jumping into the 30s for trevor i think there's a little bit too many variables that i'm I'm not, I'm not totally sold on him there, but I'm fairly comfortable. Okay, a lot of time with story. Let's move on to Carlos Correa, who signed a three-year deal with the Twins, which does have opt-outs, so maybe he will leave the Twins after this year, and we'll, we'll not have to worry about his value on the Twins for that long. As it stands, it's definitely a downgrade from where he was in Houston. You can't really argue it any other way. He was in... Maybe not the best lineup in baseball, but certainly a top three, four lineup in baseball for the last several years, and that's something that's certainly helped in terms of his RBI and runs. He's not a base stealer; he won't steal any bases for you, maybe one or two. But the run and the RBIs are the biggest, um, the biggest variables as you switch between teams because your home runs are probably going to be roughly the same regardless of your team, save for maybe if you're playing in Colorado the runs in the RBIs are what are factored by your teammates around you and carlos has definitely taken a step back with this twin signing in terms of his teammates around him the twins are a bit of a strange team in terms of their lineup uh, he's he doesn't have he doesn't have the support he had in houston i mean he'll still he'll still be the star but he doesn't have that supporting cast his home runs his batting average should be about the same but I would not be surprised if there's a big dip in his, in his, um, in his RBIs and his runs for this year. I I really wouldn't be. As good as he is, I'm not really looking to draft him at his ADP at eighty five. It's not that appealing to me. Eighty seven, actually, sorry, eighty seven. It's not terribly appealing just because of the depth at shortstop. You can take players. Either early on you can take a, a high-value shortstop or you can wait a little bit. And you'll get, in my opinion, you'll get better value. So if you go early on in the draft, you have your elite, elite talents, Trey Turner and Bo Then it thins a little bit with who I mentioned earlier, Anderson and Bogart, Semyon, Story, Francisco Lindor. And then you have guys like Correa around the same range in 87. And some people will probably see this as... A discount for Carlos Correa, pick 87. For me, I'm not going near him at, in that range. I, I'm i too nervous about the drop-off in the periphery stats. And I, I don't see the Twins playing winning baseball going forward. They have a suspect pitching staff to say to, you, to be kind about that. It's suspect this year. And I just don't see them being competitive enough where, honestly, I don't see him down the stretch playing every single game if he's healthy, because I just see this team, especially if he has an opt-out and he's going to look for more big money next year, he'll opt out and sign somewhere else, because I think he'll realize that this experiment, I could be completely wrong, I think this Twins experiment is going to be a disaster for him, and I think he'll be gone after year one. That's my own thinking. I think he'll realize he's not playing for a World Series anymore, which he has been for the last several years, and he will leave and go to a contender. Now, as for this year, his name will be his name carries more weight than his production will, and that is something I will stand by. I will repeat throughout these next couple weeks before the season starts that I am not particularly eager to draft him in that range. There's so many there the shortstop position is 20 players deep easy of players who can give you consistent value and even outside of the top 20 you still have Brandon Crawford is the being taken as the 23rd ranked shortstop pick 204 and he had a statistically I don't want to say better season I don't have the numbers right in front of me right now between him and Correa but about an equal production wise season between them and you have a 150 pick difference between them it doesn't make sense to me you have so much value on the board at shortstop that jumping ahead to take a guy who is almost guaranteed to fall off in terms of production I'm I'm not terribly interested I'm not terribly interested in Carlos Correa Next player we're going to move on to is another one who had a bit of a strange landing spot. That was Chris Bryant. Very strange going to the Rockies. Everybody thought he was going to go to the Phillies. It should be fine for his value. Going to Colorado is usually good for a player's fantasy value in terms of their production. Their home runs typically get better. Now, now, Chris has had a bit of a dip off in the last couple of years, despite having a borderline top hundred season last year. I'm not sure I uh, I'm going to be drafting Bryant. And he's going around pick seventy four, which feels which feels high. It feels not crazy high, but it feels certainly high. There's there's a lot better value at third base that is a lot safer in terms of. All around production. Like he'll give you the home runs, but him being taken as the sixth third baseman off the board. The only third baseman going higher are Jose Ramirez, Rafael Devers, Manny Machado, Austin Riley, and Nolan Arenado. They're the only third baseman going off the board faster than Bryant. And I think that list should also include Bragman and Rendon and Franco. Well, Wander Franco is multiple positions, so he is going a bit higher. DJ LeMahieu might not have as secure of a spot with the Yankees in that starting lineup. But I think people worry a little bit too much about that. I think he'll be starting. So, I mean, you get a guy like LeMayhew or a Justin Turner, Brian Hayes, there is so much value. Matt Chapman, who we'll get to in a sec. There is so much value, again, at third base, that jumping to take someone who you're not totally sure on production, whose situation is not fantastic, especially for those periphery stats he'll hit home runs but is there going to be anybody on base for him to knock in is the question i'm not drafting him at 74 there's just too much value there's too much value later on at third he's if you draft chris i'm sure he'll be productive but i wouldn't bank on it being a top 100 season for chris i wouldn't i i'm very nervous after him playing on better lineups these last couple of years, what will happen in that Rockies lineup? There's not much going on in that Rockies lineup. There really isn't. I'm, I'm, I'm worried for Chris for this year. The only massive positive for him is that he has eligibility at nearly every position. So that is something that you have to take into account because that is very important, especially in, in fantasy baseball, is fitting in everybody in your lineup. So those multiple position players are really important. But I don't think that outweighs the possible negative of having just a bad team around you. I, I, I'm i passing on Bryant as at, the, at pick 74. If he falls into the 80s, 90s, then you might want to take a flyer on him. But uh, he's not must draft for me or anything like that. No No way. Let's move into a guy who might fall into that must draft category for me is Matt Chapman. <clears throat> and I always get a little bit extra excited about Toronto Blue Jays but his ADP of 158 looks really good. It's really looking good. in that Toronto lineup he's gonna be middle of the order somewhere. He's gonna he's gonna have a career year in RBI's that's almost a guarantee. He's gonna knock in 80 90 runs. His home runs should stay about the same 25 ish range. And the high walk rate, you have to look at the high walk rate for for Matt Chapman, which is especially helpful in points leagues and on-base percentage leagues. But despite the fact that he strikes out a lot, he also does walk a lot. So his on-base percentage is typically close to 100 points higher than his batting average. So that is something to definitely take into account. And you're also going to take into account that there are 15 third basemen that are going higher than him in drafts. 14, 15 third basemen. So he is not someone that's going to break the bank by any means while still being able to give you crazy production because of that lineup. The Jays lineup is say, for Los Angeles. The Dodgers is the best in baseball. And I'm not worried about him at all. Even if you look at a guy like last year, Randall Grichuk, on the Blue Jays, who was probably probably that worst bat in the lineup and Chapman probably won't even be the worst bat in the lineup this year, but that, the floor for a Blue Jays player playing the whole season in the lineup is probably about 20 homers, 80 RBIs. That's the that's the lowest amount of production you're going to get. Chapman should easily surpass the RBIs. I think 85, 90 is totally doable. 20 to 25 homers. He, he will have definite value, especially in pick 150. He's going to be coming off the board pretty late. I mean, that ADP has risen a little bit recently, and maybe it'll continue to rise as people foresee him in that Toronto lineup. But I think as of right now, 149, 150. Sorry, he jumped actually overnight. He was 158 yesterday, and today he's already 149. So he is going to be rising a bit as people start to look at more projections and see. I guess for people who are unfamiliar with the Jays lineup, we'll start to see anyway. And he had a home run yesterday in in spring too, so that might have uh, bumped him up on the ADP list a little bit. Okay, I'm not going to spend too much time on Chapman. Just to say one last thing, if your league is a league that looks at fielding percentage, um, then not that those are very common, but if your league does, then Chapman is obviously elite in terms of his production at third base. He's probably the best defensive third baseman in the game. Okay, let's move... To the National League here, we have Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos. I guess I can talk about them together because they are both gone to the same destination. The Phillies are looking good, man. The Phillies are looking like they're going to have a dangerous, dangerous lineup. Not quite as dangerous as some of the other teams uh, that we've talked about, the Jays, the Dodgers. But they're still looking very elite. And if you look back to Bryce Harper from last year, not the, I know I just introduced two players. Now I'm mentioning a different one. Bryce Harper, his RBI totals suffered tremendously last year because of the lack of support in that lineup. I think by the time he had 20 home runs, he was sitting around 40-some-odd RBIs. Like There was no one for him to drive in last year. And now they have added some support around him. Now Schwarber and Castellanos. Schwarber will probably bat ahead of Harper. Castellanos, I would imagine, would bat one spot below Harper. Uh, Both of them have the potential for... Massive career years batting in that lineup. Castellanos is coming off essentially a career year, but he has the easy potential to duplicate what he did last year. Better lineup. Um, he's, He's primed because of the supporting cast to really succeed in terms of his runs and RBIs. The home runs will be there for Castellanos. The batting average will be there for Castellanos. This move getting away from Cincinnati will just lead to more runs and more RBIs. And the same thing for Kyle Schwarber. I mean, if he'd stayed with the Red Sox, I'm sure he would have been fine for value. If he'd gone to a couple of the other teams, they talked about the Blue Jays and whoever, he would have been fine for value. But this is a great spot for him. Um, His ADP is 113 for Kyle Schwarber, which seems about right, maybe even a touch low. Uh, I, I would take a look at him. I would certainly take a look around that range because power... Power's not rare on the waiver wire. It's not... It's not necessarily hard to come by, but someone with that kind of power after pick 100 is not so commonplace. There will be guys, but he has 40 home run potential, and there's not so many of those guys down in that range. So he's going around pick 112, 113, which seems fairly reasonable for him. It's It seems, it seems fairly right. Castellanos is going about 54, pick 54, which seems it seems okay if not maybe a touch high but in terms of the players that are around him in that range you're getting a pretty good value in terms of somebody who can contribute across the board he can give you home runs average he's not going to steal you might get a couple of steals but he'll help you out in four of the five batting categories and I mean a at the pick he's going, it seems like a pretty good, pretty good deal. Seems like a pretty good bargain at pick fifty-four. I wouldn't be too worried about considering that to be a, a reach or anything like that. I think that's probably about fair value for him. Somewhere in the middle of that fifth round, fourth round area, if you're talking about standard twelve-team league, that's probably that's probably about right. Pick fifty-four. Let's move on to Freddie Freeman. Congratulations if you did get a discount on Freddie Freeman over the last week or so because people were worried about his value and where he was going to be going. People not sure if he's going to be able to sustain his production. So congrats if you got him in the second or third or fourth round. He's probably a second round pick. He's going around pick 14 right now. Um, I think that's... Maybe a touch. It'll probably be. It's a justifiable pick at fourteen. Let's just say that it's probably maybe a touch high. Like does he finish the year as a top fifteen player? Is the distinct possibility. He could totally do that. Will he? I. I'm not totally sold on him at pick fourteen. I, th- I think you're safe. You're certainly safe. He is in a fantastic spot. He was the best possible place he could have gone fantasy-wise. I mean, the Braves were great for him fantasy-wise, but the Dodgers are just a step up all around. You have to assume he'll probably be batting third. they They'll have Dave Roberts can do whatever he wants there and probably fine. But you have to assume uh, it'll be Betts and Turner in whatever order ahead of him. So the run and RBI spots are absolutely going to be there. I'm just a little worried at uh, at current ADP of 14 just because you're getting a zero in that steals column. And I, I worry a little bit early on about making sure that you have every category covered. And maybe I'm wrong in that, but I like to have every category covered at least a little bit Go. I, like That's why I love Trey Turner because he just gives you, as a first-round pick, he gives you a bit of everything. Now, T- Freddie essentially gives you a bit of everything, but those steals can be real hard to come by. And if I'm drafting him in the second round, I want to make sure I have someone in the first round who does steal. Because steals thin out like crazy once you get past pick 50 or so, 60. I mean, you can still find value Uh, later on but you're going to be finding guys later on who don't really play every day they might steal bases still they probably do steal bases but they don't play every single day so you'll have uh, just a random example off the top of my head is John Birdie who he plays for the Marlins and he is someone who can definitely give you a lot of steals later on down the draft but just guys like that sometimes they don't play a lot he played 85 games last year so despite like really elite speed, you have to look for players who are going to be in the lineup every day in terms of steals. And those early round players who steal bags are so valuable to me. I really, really highly value steals. So Trey Turner, Ramirez, Boba If you've drafted one of those guys in the first round and you have your steals taken care of, then I don't mind drafting Freddie in the second round. If you've drafted a pitcher in the first round and now you're drafting Freddie Freeman, I would really look into making up your steals as you go on because it's something that's going to thin out. And that's pretty much my only concern with him. And it's really nitpicky of me to even worry about it because he is going to be elite. He is an elite, elite talent, and he is in the best lineup in baseball. But... At the same time, you know, I can't I can't help thinking that he's maybe a touch overvalued at 14. Especially if you look down the line at first base when you have Pete Alonzo going at 47, which seems a lot more reasonable if you want to take the guy who has a power RBI potential. Alonzo's also in a remade lineup there with the Mets. If you're getting him 35 picks down for someone who has a higher ceiling in terms of power, it'll probably be about the same in terms of RBIs. And his batting average will be a bit lower than Freddie Freeman's, but I mean it's a comparable pick at 47 as you're going to get at 14. Jose Abreu, you go a little bit further down to pick 64. Yeah, I mean you're not going to have many worries there. I don't think he's been. We know who Jose Abreu is. He's batting in a good lineup. He's going to continue to lead the league in RBIs most likely. 100 RBIs is is expected of him at this point. And probably 30 home runs. While batting, he had a fairly low batting average last year. But he has been close to 300 for his time in America. So I don't see that being a risky pick. Where I see Freddie at 14 being a bit risky. So, I mean, I'm not advocating that you avoid Freddie. But I just think you should be careful if you're taking him that high. That you have the support around you on your team. So that you can make up for the steals category. Because, I again, steals... Steals, steals. Early on, if you build a team that is fast, early on, barring injuries, you won't ever have to worry about that category. And it's not something you can just, oh, I'm going to stream a guy for a steal today. You know, you want to have that in your lineup. You want to have players who are fast in your lineup because steals are very hard to just stream a guy. You need a steal on Sunday, so I'm going to pick up so-and-so. It's, you never know what you're going to get out of production from from steals it's it's it fluctuates it's probably in all of fantasy sports the category that you can't count on more than any i mean it's comparable with steals and blocks in basketball that you just can't count on them you can stream and you can hope and you can pick up The fastest guy, you can pick up the biggest center who blocks shots every game, and you might just have zero that game, and you might be out of luck because of that. So you want to have the foundation on your team, not just with stealing, also with power, but I mean, specifically stealing, because power, more home runs are hit than bases are stolen in today's modern league. You can find power easier than you can find speed. So I will continue to stress that. I love having speed on the roster. And I love having a player who touches pretty much every single category. So, again, none of this is to poo-poo Freddie Freeman. I love Freddie Freeman, especially the Canadian connection. I love Freddie. I am from Toronto, by the way. Freddie, at 14, however, feels a a touch high. So, if you're in that range and you're debating whether or not to draft him, I probably would hold off and just wait a little bit. You have good value at the first base position, past pick 100, so I wouldn't be too worried about having um, no first baseman left or anything like that. I will do shows going forward where we will break down every position fantasy-wise, so we'll talk more in depth about first base. We'll talk about every position, but we'll talk about first base in a decent amount of depth because of the amount of talent there. And I will get into this more as we go into talking about specific positions, but don't be fooled by names. Again, I feel like this is going to be viewed as a a Freddie Freeman hit job, but it's not, it really isn't. It's just about looking at what you're going to get for the draft pick you're using on a player And asking yourself, can I make up this production later on down the draft? Is there stuff that's on the board right now that is not going to be there the next time I pick? Whereas Freddie Freeman level production will probably be there for a little while. So again, no disrespect towards Freddie Freeman. I think he is a fantastic talent at first base. One of the best players in the modern game. But I just wouldn't be fooled. I wouldn't be fooled by such a high draft pick. And uh, me saying all this, he'll probably have 30 home runs, close to 100 RBIs. Arguably, he might have over 100 RBIs and probably close to 100 runs. So by no means would he be a bad pick in this area. No chance he's going to be a bad pick unless he gets hurt, which is the same to go with everybody just, no one in this range is going to be a, a bad pick for you in the top twenty or so. It's just a matter of trying to maximize that value, and look for, especially look for specific categories later down the draft where you can say, "I could make this up later." I'm going to pick so and so here now because he does something that I won't be able to get next time I'm up at, next time I'm uh, I'm drafting. So, that is something to keep in mind: is look for valued Production down the draft in terms of specific categories and say, can I make this up after pick 100, after pick 150, after pick 200? How much does this particular category thin out or how much does this particular position thin out? And a lot of the time, honestly, what it comes down to is just being prepared for the draft, for your particular draft. You don't want to go in and just, you know, hit the draft button when it comes up to your turn. You want to, if you want to play fantasy and actually. Get into it and have a, a competitive season. You have to do a little bit of research before the season starts. Look at where players are going and look for value. I, I can't stress that enough. You don't want to take someone early on. Like, just a example here. Byron Buxton going at pick 56. It's a little high. It's a lot high, actually, considering how much he gets hurt. At that same pick, if you can pick someone who's going to you know, give you the same kind of level of production. Like Eloy Jimenez is going the same area. And I feel a lot more confident just because how many times have we dealt with Byron Buxton getting injured? You know, there's certain things like that where you have to look and say, okay, I need to be smart here. I don't wanna I don't wanna be stupid. And I know Jimenez was hurt last year. But one injury versus Byron Buxton who's always seems to be hurt things like that have to factor into your decisions i know this was a, a free agent show but i just want to give a little bit of my philosophy here just so you guys know what you're getting into if you're going to be listening i value steals i value health i value elite power numbers so if you provide any combination of those preferably health obviously at the top and then Either of the other two, if you're able to provide those consistently, you're someone that I'm going to probably be interested in. Okay, guys, I think we're going to wrap it up here for today. I want to thank everybody who is tuned in for listening. This is the Fantasy MLB Today podcast. My name is Joe Orrico, and you can find me on Twitter at joeorico 99 I hope everybody has a great Monday. See ya.